Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except for some of those Fast and the Furious soundtracks. The judge says you can have those back in 90 days. You got a record of your favorite songs. You got an hour and it won't take long. You got a pair of brand new friends. You got a ticket gonna stick to the end. I said, now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this show. Definitely, yeah. Conflicted. That's me. I lived in LA, and I think that's when I started to get sort of jaded and cynical. I'm just trying to get something started. Been so low and so downhearted. Haven't seen my friends in a while, and I never laugh and hardly ever smile. There should be a word for when you sort of understand something, when you can really comprehend something, but you can't describe it, you can't explain it, you can't say why. I think there is a word that means this, and, that, and I think Todd Rundgren had a record called whatever it is, you know. It's the truth, but it's always sugar-coated, and the starting gun is never loaded. I take it too hard, I take it too hard. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> You're not going to clear the old throat first. Going to let it ride. Welcome back. I to like that. Now hear this. I've always admired that about you. The just non throat clear, yeah. cold open. Just pop those Cheetos in there. <laughs> just good audio. You'll be happy to know, everyone, that I'm eating a bag of yeah, flaming hot Cheetos. Yeah. Every time he says flaming hot, too, his, his nostrils flare and his eyes go wide. And especially when he was buying them, it was it was weird. Well, you are what you eat. <laughs> I just, Ooh, it's just spicy. I had a fruity yogurt parfait. So, brought to you by sadness. <laughs> Both of these meals. <laughs> I love that we're getting the Cheetos on this episode. <laughs> Ooh. Oh man! Well, welcome back to the show. Welcome you know. back, everyone. How was your uh, How was your week, Ryan? Since we last uh, heard from our listeners here, yeah, I had a pretty good week. Yeah, you know. Give me the Give me the highlights. Give me Give me two highlights and two lowlights. And two highlights. Okay, here's two highlights. Two highlights. They're both. They're basically the same. Actually, I'm going to combine them into one big highlight. We found a bunch of Davy Jones tapes hey. in Santa Barbara. So depending upon when or when you're listening to this or not, <laughs> there could be some magical new Davy Jones stuff out. There could be. That's a highlight, right? Definitely, definitely is a highlight. What's um, what's a negative that happened? Uh, what about when you picked up that hitchhiker? Oh right. Yeah. 
I mean, jab, jab. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. his foot is just never going to be the same again. No, no. Get, I mean, that thing looks green. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Jeb. Some shades of purple, purple hues. I've, I don't think Prince even knows about. Wow, wow. Rest his soul. <laughs> Rest his soul. R.I.P. So you picked Rest up the hitchhiker. Peace. That's a low light, and then and he had an infected foot, which we won't get into anymore. Although we could, if you wanted to. So one more, one more highlight, Ryan. I'm going to need one more from you. Just let's consider it a take two. Let's let's assume. Oh, you and I hung out. Oh, hey. Yeah. You know, sometimes you fish, and sometimes you know you yeah, catch it's just, it. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Up until right now, I when you were staring I was totally at me, fishing. You know, like that teeth emoji, that emoji. It's the eyes. And yeah, the, it's just that the one. Teeth. I don't use that one really. You know what I've been fond of lately what? is the shrug. Emoji. Oh yeah, the shrug emoji. Do you like the that guy. one? Blue shirt. Ah, uh, we're in our thirties. He can be any shade of pigmentation, but he's, he's gonna have a blue shirt on. So against all odds, this is a music review podcast <laughs> where we talk about our favorite albums and well <laughs> i present one to ryan ryan presents one to me this week it's my turn oh no oh it's my turn and have i got a doozy for you i gotta get the energy up here i'm feeling i'm feeling like i'm um, i'm not as flaming hot as i could be. i'm I done get the energy i'm, I swear I'm, I'm done really with the flaming cheetos i'm really excited about this one but it does uh, it does have a lot to do with sadness and regret and uh you know being a guy in your 30s using emojis. And yep. of course, I'm talking about Brendan Benson. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> His album, What Kind of World? It's my favorite Brendan Benson album, if I had to pick one. It's a very good album. Ryan, what was your familiarity with Brendan Benson before being forced at gunpoint by Jeb, the hobo you picked up on the street. Jeb, good old Jeb. To listen to this Brendan Benson. As I stared at Jeb's foot, I (laughs) thought back to the time I first heard of Brendan. (laughs) He's had to consult his notes. Was was it an A or an E at the end? Is it Brendan or Brendan? I've always heard Brendan. Brendan? Yeah. I believe, Paul, you brought him up when I was on your show... Was that a couple of years ago now? Um, man, yeah, I guess that was what twenty seventeen. Now that was the first time. The first time I heard about him. Really? And then there was yeah, a long gap, you know, when you and I started talking, and I just was not excited about listening to this because it's like, <laughs> who is this? <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, but I actually, I have my own bullet. I only have one bullet. Oh, you got bullets. I have just one. I have one bullet wow. point. Are you gonna? Are you going to blow your bullet wide? Yeah, right I'm going to say it right now. Are you going to go, go first? Because I'm not going to go right now. This is my bullet section. Ryan's bullets. It's underwhelming for all the <laughs> for I've, all the fanfare right now. I feel embarrassed. I'm turning red. I have set the bar pretty high. This is looking like it's going to be my highlight for next week. So just go ahead. Here's the bullet. Want the bullet. What if back Matt? Jack White. Hey, that's pretty good. How about that? I like that one. It's funny. I mentioned Beck in uh, in my bullets as well, I think. I don't remember. It's been too long. Yeah. But in all seriousness, I really like this record. I'm glad. I'm About glad to hear three it. three or four songs in, I was like, oh my goodness. How many more amazing records are there out there <laughs> that you're going to hand me? And I feel like it's a lot is the answer. 
What I love about this exchange right now is uh, in the run-up to these episodes, Ryan and I often will exchange war stories of listening to the Mm. records that we've given each other over text message. And Ryan's first one was like, man, this one's a slog. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't blame It's funny. uh, Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we struggle with these things. I feel like the struggle is good for us. Uh, Ben Folds. That was a struggle for me. And yeah. at the end of it, I was like, hey, you know, I have a ben Fold, couple Ben Fold songs that I now can think about and say, I like that. Yeah. To um, change the world in a positive way. I think so. I think that's what this podcast is all about. I really think it is. Highlight number two. So, Brendan Betts, so were you at all familiar with the Rack and Tours going? Yes, on? absolutely. Okay, and when so I was, yeah. I was actually doing digging around, and that's when I had my aha moment. Ah. The Rack and Tours. Is that kind of a super group he had? Yeah. I mean, I'm not that familiar. Maybe you want to tell me about it. Well, you know, why don't we, why don't we start with the rundown? Well, I'll give a brief rundown of Brendan's give career. Give the old rundown. <laughs> give him a little rundown of Brendan's career, and then we'll segue into the album here. But Brendan was born in Detroit originally, but his family moved around a lot as a kid. I guess his dad was sort of a rambling soul, and they wound up in New Orleans, and um, I think they mainly stayed down there, but... Uh, you know, it sounded like uh, even though his roots were in Detroit, he moved around a lot of different places and he got a lot of different musical exposure growing up. Yeah, He made his way to L.A. in the mid-90s, where being in the right place at the right time landed him a shot at a record deal. Huh. And uh, basically he was, you know, writing songs at, a, at the, I think, James and I tried to nail it down. My brother yeah. James and I tried to nail it down one time. We think it's the Grove, the farmer's market at the yeah. Grove. He would just sit and write songs, and he, he was recording demo tape. And it was right around when Beck was blowing up in the, oh, mid, in the mid-'90s. And so he sounded enough like Beck where the label took a chance, and hence we get his debut LP, One Mississippi. And that LP is crazy because yeah. it sounds like it's super high energy uh-huh. and it's sort of punky and it's got like a lot of bl- i'm gonna say blink 182 a lot in this podcast so full right. disclosure because sometimes you get that sort of late 90s early 2000s like thumping yeah. bass and you know that those sort of tropes but it's this weird super high energy lp that just completely flopped the label. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Even, even I didn't even notice it when I was researching. Yeah, I mean, he's born like we talked about Jack White earlier. Uh, he's about five years older than Jack, and so you know, Jack is signifies that garage rock revolution, like the turn of the millennium. So, this is more in that alternative area that, yeah, as we've mentioned on the podcast before, after Kurt Cobain kills himself. What do we do with rock and roll? What happens now? Let's figure it out. And what they kind of do is there's a rap infusion early on, and that's where your Becks kind of come in, and there's this punk infusion. There's all kinds of things that's happening. Anyway, Brendan's writing power pop songs in the middle of it, and they're landing completely flat. Yeah. I personally don't really like that first record. I don't really listen to it very often. Uh (laughs) It's okay. It's all right. (laughs) But that's when Brendan is uh, defeated, feeling pretty low. Yeah. He returns to Detroit, dejected and completely jaded by the music industry. He is dropped by his label as he's recording his sophomore record. Not having a good streak. That's rough when that happens. So then he meets a friend, a kindred soul in Detroit, 
shopping around his band called the White Stripes, which had only been together for about a year. So we're talking 1998. Oh, the, in the 90s. Yeah. Because the White Stripes got together on Bastille Day, 1997. So this is 1998. So we're one year later. And Brendan and Jack hit it off. They make fast friends. Huh. They're palling around together during the White Stripes' last remaining months of obscurity. And Brendan is watching Jack use gimmicks to catapult himself into superstardom. Gimmicks? Well, the White Stripes are notorious for their using what some would perceive as gimmicks to peak interest. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that just marketing? Yeah, I guess you could call it that. I mean, Jack is, is sort of known for that. Like, he perpetuated a myth that he and his wife were brother and sister, so yeah. people would be huh. confused and not really know the answer. He presented themselves as children, almost like a stage play. They would only dress in white, red, and black. Yeah. And they had this candy cane symbol. And basically, a lot of it was to hide the fact that Jack was insecure about being a white kid playing the blues. Huh. And so he put all this stuff on top of it to distract you yeah. long enough before you knew what hit you. Anyway, Brendan is looking at this going, I, Jack, Jackie boy, listen. Uh, I don't hey, think that, Jackie boy. I don't think all this candy cane <laughs> stuff is a good idea. I think you're going to really alienate the children. Are we back at the casting couch? <laughs> <laughs> Brendan is wrong. And uh, the White Stripes take off, become huge, huge stars. Right. And Brendan sort of rides the wave a little bit. He gets a little more confidence palling around with Jack. He's involved in some of the White Stripes' early stuff. He's even in a group with Jack called Jack White and the Bricks. He's a brick. And he's drowning slowly. Oh, Ben falls. <laughs> <laughs> and he also puts out a couple new records in the meantime and starts to maybe flirt with getting back into the music business. Right. So... Fast forward to 2005, Jack is in a rough spot grappling with fame and feeling betrayed by his home city of Detroit, who are being, let's say, unwelcoming to Jack and Meg and the White Stripes and yeah. per perhaps a little jealous of their fame when not all the garage rockers got that same degree of fame. Brendan, meanwhile, is kind of a nice little, nice little boy, and he and Jack stay very close. They stay very, uh, very tight throughout all of that, and... After a collaboration with fellow garage rockers, the Greenhorns, on an album with country legend Loretta Lynn. Heard of Loretta Lynn, yeah. Yeah. So Jack produced a Loretta Lynn album, okay. invited Brendan to produce a track, and had fellow garage rockers, the Greenhorns, join him yeah. as her backing band. Jack caught a taste for playing with musicians outside of the White Stripes. Huh. Brendan calls Jack one day and invites him over to his attic down the street to help with a song that he had called Steady As She Goes. Jack goes over to his house, invites the Greenhorns rhythm section to join him, Little Jack Lawrence and Patrick Keeler. And in the attic, the raconteurs are born. Oh, wow. They record the whole album in a very short amount of time in that attic. Yeah. Wait, and who's that? It's Jack's attic? Yeah, it's uh, Brendan's attic. Ben Benson's attic. Brendan Benson's okay. attic. So you got Brendan up there who's had, by this time, a couple modest successes. He had his an album out called Alternative to Love, which you may remember from some of your grocery shopping, because on light FM stations, they still play this song called Cold Hands, Warm Heart. Oh, yeah. No, I know that one. Yeah. So that's Brendan. And so he's having a couple little... I'm doing batting. He had a couple of modest... Are you doing batting over there? <laughs> a couple modest successes. This album with Jack takes off. I do remember that. When will your record with uh, Jack White be released? Or? I don't know, probably not till late, later this year or maybe even next but year. What kind of sound is it? Or? 
more. Uh, it's pretty much. I think you know it would be what you would expect. You know, there's Jack who brought hard kind of blues rock and roll side of things to to the record, and then I think I brought like more melodic and. Did you get it for the record? Or? Yeah, yeah, we did. It was really cool. I mean, it was a real, real collaboration. We worked well together. I think we kind of knew when to step step back and let the other guy go. Or you know, we're both fans of each other. I mean, does that makes sense. I mean, just mutually, there's a real, a mutual respect and admiration. So it was a piece of cake. Okay, you know. and uh, will it will it also be a single? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's called Steady as She Goes. Brendan had released other records, as I mentioned, in, since his belly flop in the mid-90s, but the raconteurs were on a whole other level. Yeah. They were propelled by Jack White's superstardom, and Steady As She Goes and its corresponding album, Broken Boy Soldiers, dominated the summer of 2006, at least in the rock and roll right. area. Turning Brendan Benson from an obscure musician's musician to a face in the homes of millions of people around the world, because this Steady As She Goes was not just a big single for the raconteurs, it's Jack's like number two all-time... Yeah, it's a huge song best-selling single ever, short of Icky Thump, which came out in the White Stripes album later. So the Racks tour the world. The world gets to see Jack White in an actual rock band, and Brendan Benson gets to achieve the kind of fame he once thought was either permanently elusive or so fleeting to be disposable. Hmm. So he tries his hand at another record. I've got to tell you, you're doing a really good job queuing this one up. Am I? I am locked in. Are I you am, locked in? I really feel, and I've said this before, <laughs> like I'm listening to a podcast... <laughs> But when I can talk, and you stop, and you interact with me, it's, yeah. it's an unbelievable sensation. <laughs> well, I, I aim to be, to, sen- to sensate. Okay. <laughs> I aim to titillate the senses. This will be a red band episode. Ah, uh, red band. Ray bands. We could still wear those. It's not too late. It's certainly not so, too late. <laughs> so Jack is still bitter toward Detroit after the Tours smash success. He and Brendan and the Greenhorns all move down to Nashville together. Right. <laughs> they just all relocate at once. Huh. They say, sorry, Detroit. We love you. We were born within you. We are done because you're kind of being dicks right now. Yeah. And we're going to go hang out in Nashville. And they make Nashville their home where they all reside to this day. And that's in 2006. So Brendan's putting a new album together in the meantime. This is eventually released on Dave Matthews' label ATO. Mm-hmm. Not familiar with that, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. You don't like Dave Matthews' band? I'm not, um, just deep cuts only. Deep cuts only? Well, it's like such as <laughs> what? 
the space between the space between oh, is my favorite Dave Matthews song. It's the one. You ever heard Gray Street? It's the one in there. Oh, I'm, are is Dave Matthews going to be on our list? No, absolutely not. Are you going to blow my mind? No, with no, no, Dave no. I, I won't because there's not one good Dave Matthews Band <laughs> album. But there are great songs. Please continue. Mm. So he's paired with a producer called Gil Norton. Not sure if you're familiar with Gil Norton. I'm not. But apparently he was a total control freak. And Brendan is once again, after having been like sent to the very top of the mountain, yeah. once again, like Sisyphus, he is right back rolling down. down. Yeah. He is feeling awful. This guy rides him. And you can hear it on the record. Yeah. The raconteurs get back together again. They do another album. By this time, Jack has put together a record company called Third Man Records, record label. And... He's making a name for himself as a record executive now, not just a musician. He's a storefront in Nashville. He has a close relationship with United Pressing. He would eventually open his own pressing plant and expand. Jack is becoming a music mogul at yeah, the moment. Yeah, seriously. And is. Brendan's sitting there. Like 99% of us. He's old Gil got oh, him again. Oh, boy. <laughs> he's anti-rusting whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so... Brendan says, I bet I could do that, too. Hmm. Why would he do that? <laughs> <laughs> what makes him think to this point? I love I love that that's where you fell off the train. You're just like, no, Brendan. Well, because I feel for the guy. He wants to make it in the music business, and he has, you know, you, you, you wait a long time, and then your friend has a success, and you're sitting there, and then you join in the success. Yeah. And then, the it, yeah. I would think, oh, I can do that too, but you can't. Uh, it's a big thing. So he gets together a record company called Ready Made Records. And on April 21st, 2012, he launches Ready Made Records with a new album called What Kind of World. Mm. So this album you're listening to is his way of launching his own label. And I think explains an awful lot about why it sounds so good next to his other stuff because he's in charge of it. He doesn't have old Gil pushing him around. No. He's given it his all because this is this is it for him. Like yeah. he wants to do this. It's the shot. This is what this would be the shot. Right. Uh ready made your new label. You've got your new record, What Kind of World, uh coming out on that yeah. in April. Yep. On my son's birthday, actually. Really? Yeah. Aww. How how sappy is that? <laughs> and this record sounds great. It's a good power pop record and it sounds an awful lot like the raconteurs when you listen to this thing to be yeah. perfectly honest with you and as we'll find out has some raconteurs holdovers in it but before we get to the track by track ryan i am ready with my bullet corn good morning i'm gonna be your instructor okay i know you're anxious to jump right in are you ready for my bullet points i'm always prepared for this section Sir? Brendan Benson's What Kind of World. <clears throat> Bullet point number one. 90s mom van guitar rock 3D printed into 182 blinks of your favorite TRL punk band. How long did that take you to write? Oh, it's, it was a process. That, well, that one is amazing. <laughs> How do you diagram a sentence like that? <laughs> Bullet point number two. Wayward treasure from a lost and melancholy sailor washed upon your shore in the mouth of a mangy mutt. Oh, I like that. That's kind of sad, but lovable. I like it. Sad but lovable. Yeah, sad that's, but lovable. I guess I could have boiled that down to sad but lovable. 
That's what I'm here for. Mm. Boiling your bullets. Number three, hearing that football being pulled away from Beck cosplaying as Charlie Brown as the little redhead girl laughs her ass off. Oh, wow. You you really love this record. I do. You've thought about this. <laughs> I love it so much. Is this why the whole podcast has started? Just For that <laughs> bullet point? <laughs> what an image. Who thinks of this stuff? Uh, and then I actually have one more. I usually only have three, but my last one here is not as impressive. Uh, tree sap dripping on your old reliable Telecaster. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's your best one. <laughs> what is this? I get is it. The move on your shoulder. I get it. Uh, what, 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 do you, what do you say? We talk about the album. Yeah, like give me. Yeah, okay, I've recovered. Go, please. <laughs> so let's talk about the title track. What kind of what world? What kind of world? Ryan, what do you think about this one? I got sucked into this record from this track. It just is some of the best power pop I've ever heard. And yeah, it does have some of the Nashville sound to it. Yeah, a little bit. But the clean production and his lyrics, what did I, so I pulled up, I love the all music reviews. And so (laughs) what they said just for the album generally Mm. is that the words me, mine, my, and I come up a lot. Mm -hmm. And that... Brendan is more neurotically autobiographical and self-analyzing than narcissistic. His hyper-personal inspection of himself and his struggles with the world are reflective of the meticulous magnifying glass he applies to his winding power pop <laughs> compositions. And he goes on to conclude, his fifth studio album, What Kind of World This, is a further look inside the songwriter's wiry inner world. Thankfully for his listeners, a world that has many ELO-inspired bombastic hooks and killer guitar tones as it does personal hang-ups. And, yeah, he's just trying to get something started, man. Just trying to get something started. That's what his whole life has been to this point. Right, he keeps getting built up. Yeah. And then he keeps getting torn down again. It's basically everything I just described in his origin story is kind of evident in this song. Yes. Some samples of the lyrics. So overlooked, so underrated, every move proves to be (laughs) ill-fated. Ah, yikes. (laughs) You take me apart before I can start. (laughs) I love that line. And of course, I take it too hard is the thing that is on either side of what kind of world is the chorus. So, yeah, this is maybe my favorite Brendan Benson song. This song? I think this one, yeah. Okay. There's a couple on this one. I think, as and as I mentioned earlier, of Brendan's albums, I think this one is by far the most well put together, has got the most gems on it, uh-huh. and it's really the only one I go back and listen to, which is why I wanted to submit it for now here. This Submit it for consideration. Yeah. It's a fantastic opener. It's got a raconteursy vibe. I love those little guitar trickles and the bass gurgles that bring us from moment to moment. And then into that chorus. And actually, as I was writing my interpretation of these songs when I was doing the notes, I was thinking, wow, his whole song structure relies on a build. Yeah. And it's very beatly in that way. Yeah, definitely. You start kind of low and a little understated. And then you add a little bit more. But then during the chorus, it flies up into the sky. One of the best chorus writers I've never heard of. Yeah. Well, the hooks are strong. The lyric is always fairly appropriate for the hook. And he's a great singer. I really like his really voice good singer. a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, it's funny, when he and Jack harmonize, Jack is not known for being a singer. He's more of a, I would, I would call a vocalist. Oh. 
What does that mean? Well, like Dylan. Oh, like, right, right, right. Like right, Dylan's right. a vocalist. Yeah, Jack White's definitely in the Dylan poet artist. Sure. Yeah, I understand. He's not like a, like a McCartney who's actually a wonderful yeah, like a uh, singer. You know, that is a singer. Yeah for, yeah, for sure. So I think Brendan's a little bit more in the McCartney school. He has the chops to handle those hooks. Right. So that's what I love about that. And I love this production flair as well. The booming guitar comes at you, but never at the expense of the melody. Right. And it's got a hard rock edge with a soft 90s kind of rock anthem vibe as well. I think it's a nice combination. Yeah, it's a perfect way to start this record. And exactly like what you were saying, the verse, I didn't know what I was going to get. I was like, wait, what, what is this? Yeah. Is this going to be a whole album of this? Because the energy is low. It's low. But that's the beauty of him where his choruses, they almost come out of nowhere and they are just thick as a brick. Yeah. They're in your, like you said, he is one of the bricks. He's throwing bricks at you. <laughs> but they're delicious yeah. slice full hooks of tardy pop power punk. Yeah. D- there you go. Get up on the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're strong. So anyway, that, what a way to start an album. And that brings us into track two, a song called Bad For Me. Oh, I love this song. That's interesting because I it's not a favorite on this one for me. Oh, really? But I do I do still like it. So t- well, tell me tell me a little bit. What was your first impression of Bad for Me? Well, when he sings, "What I want and what I need are the same to me," I I was just like ah, so it was like one of those like scream scream in the air moments while you're listening to the song. Yeah, like this guy is an amazing lyricist. I think the chorus of this one is hookier than the last. Okay. And so you're like, wait, wait, chorus two? Yeah. Uh, and the song two is better than the first chorus? Who is this man? That's great. Why am I just finding out about him? <laughs> I'm glad you had that reaction. Uh, this is another one that starts with another one of those Charlie Brown moments for Brendan, where he says, here I go again, another losing streak. Guess I'm on a roll. <laughs> I haven't got a chance. I'm too weak. Boy, it's sad. I just want to cheer old Brendan up. You know what I just realized? Because I just looked this up on All Music, and I just really looked at his discography. One of my favorite songs is actually one of his songs, and I didn't know, I didn't connect it all together. Really? In the yeah, this is dead serious. I'm dead serious about this. A couple of years ago, I was handed via the Spotify Discovery. Yeah. Tiny Spark. Oh yeah, it's on a great his one. 2002 album. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that record. That's on Lapalco, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even believe that's the same guy. Brendan. He doesn't look like the him on the cover. He's eating them Cheerios, right? Yeah. Hey, Brendan, look, Brendan loves Cheerios. What the H? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of those where you're like, oh, that was him. So I just fucked my world up where I have to, I got to go back and listen to this whole guy's discography now. Oh. To know that 2002 to this era, there's so much going on. Wow. There's a lot. And uh, it's partly why I love exploring this particular era on this podcast, because you and I are both classic rock people, I think it's fair to say, at least to a large extent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's kind of our foundation. But what I love is that there are people still making good rock and roll music consistently throughout eras. And yes. what I love about this show is so far we've covered the 60s, 70s, 80s, 
and 2000s. I don't think we've actually covered the 90s yet, but we'll get there. I'm sure we will, yeah. Yeah. So back to bad for me. He talks about a St. Christopher's necklace, which is the, I think the patriot state of like driving or something, mm. which is funny because my mom gave me one of those when I got my license for the first time. So Did I, it work? It, well, I'm not You're still here. I'm still alive. Not yeah. dead. This one for me is a little on the sappy side, but he's got that irresistible sort of chorus again where he goes that super high, like, maybe she's bad for me. Like, it's yeah. really, it's dancing it's up there. Tom Petty or... yeah. Yeah. I understand the ELO element, especially in this song. Yeah. Great piano on this one. Shades of Ben Folds, honest to God, in places. Shades of Ben Folds is the worst Mm. shade of (laughs) mascara (laughs) any nerd has ever bought. (laughs) That's not even good, that joke, but I appreciate the laugh. I liked it. Sometimes my laughter I found in in editing these shows sounds a lot like crying. So, (laughs) you know. What's the difference in that on that one? Yeah. Yeah, you're feeling something. Anyway, uh, the, this is Did another... You just w- touched my leg. Uh, that was... <laughs> this is another place where the bass is really well-placed, and it's got one of those little... It's got some of the McCartney flourishes throughout it. That brings us to track three, The Light of Day. Another. It's, and then it's the same from... It's like, okay, I like this one more than the last. Yeah. It's just an upward trajectory. Sure. This one... you know the album Navy Blues by the band Sloan? No. Well, maybe I have to pull that out at some later date. <sighs> yeah. One of my favorite records ever made. And this this has a big, big chorus and just the background vocals in this track. Huge. Huge. Really yeah. good. And that's where that ELO stuff comes from. Right, yeah, yeah. That thick, double, triple, quadruple track chorus, maybe even him. Uh, I know Ashley Monroe, country singer, is on a couple of these songs, and I'll point that out as we go. But I think it's just, I think a lot of it is him layering. Yeah. I think so too. His vocal. This is a highlight for me. It's a career highlight for me. Career, uh, for, okay. For Brendan. I love the little guitar intro, the little swirly effect that builds into that candlelight upon your face. Candlelight upon your face, and in the darkness is the safest place. I don't care if I ever see the light of And he keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. Even though we're talking about his voice being so booming and thick, yeah. there is something fragile about it. Even for sure, despite its versatility, he never. It, when I'm listening to this, and this was close to a bullet point for me, but I couldn't think of how to like convolute it enough. For me, he never <laughs> sings out for the world to hear. Yeah, he sings out afraid the world will hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that insular thing I was talking about. That's yeah. why I pulled that quote because yeah. he's very inside of his own mind the right. whole time. Not in a bad way. No, in an everyman kind. In of an way. everyman kind of way, and I believe that that's why. He does not have the notoriety that Jack would have because he's too self-aware. Yep. And I have a buddy in Chicago. We talk about this. What is the difference between a famous person and a regular person? And it's the lack of self-awareness where they go, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to be famous against all odds. Right. Oh, yeah. And he's just so self-aware. And it's, I mean, he's sensitive and he's articulate. It's not a bad thing. No. You know, since we were talking about Nick Lowe. There's a little bit of Nick Lowe in there, although I think Lowe exudes a little more confidence than Brendan. I love your distinction between celebrity and non-celebrity yeah. is, is, is that line. I think another distinction is doing something which other people would either never think to do or would think is just never going to work. Yeah. And it's like a 
maybe a 2080 shot where you're actually going to hit it. Yeah, yeah, but sure. like when Brendan goes to Jack and says, hey, listen, you're calling your wife your sister and you're pretending to be little kids and this color stuff and the, the, it's what are you doing? Nobody's going to like that. You can alienate the kids. And you know what? Brendan should have been right about that. Yeah, he, he should have sh- been. He should have been. But look at an artist like Melanie Martinez, who now, I don't know if you know her, she's dressing up like a little girl and in cribs and all yeah. of that. And, you, and then she's streaming a lot. You break yourself out from the pack when you do that kind of stuff. Right. So the different. Right. So... That brings us to track four here. Happy most of the time. This is the one that gave me the most ELO vibes, particularly at the beginning. And uh, there's also a little slice of 90s kind of jangling guitars going on here. And one of the things I love about this one is we get a little swing on that chorus where it's yeah. like uh, one look into those pretty green eyes. It's got that little like, uh, you know, that little swing, little mm-hmm. swoosh going on. Like a zombie, but I'd say I'm happy most of the time, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, last time I checked, I was about the size of an insect. Yeah, he's really thinking about it. And it's just really nice rock and roll. Mm. Good, clean slice of rock. Yeah. Inoffensive. I wouldn't call it middle of the road because I do think it's high quality stuff. But it also has a safe quality to it. There's a safeness to it. Well, it's a relief to know where he's saying, and it's just struck me, I realize I'm happy most of the time. Because I bet the fact that he's putting it into a song means Mm. he probably hasn't been, or he has thought he hasn't been. Right. And he just realized, like, wait a second, Nashville isn't so bad. Yeah. People love Nashville from what I've heard. They do. And he put down roots there and started a family, which caused a lapse in his recording career, particularly over the past, it's unfair to say decade, because he yeah. did put out another solo album, and now he's got another Raconteurs album coming up. But he has been quoted in interviews saying something along the lines of, mowing the lawn is giving me just as much pleasure some days as writing a song or something. So wow. he's enjoying feeling secure, you know? Yeah, completing the task. <laughs> right, right. There's a couple other choice pull quotes from this one choking on the atmosphere screaming get me out of here yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i will always remember the 14th of november the year of the dog and rightly so (laughs) it's a nice nice little nice little turn of phrase there there's also a tempo change at the end that i think is really effective where we lose the swing and he shifts i guess to the what do you call that the downbeats you you know this vocabulary it's probably it's straight right yeah gives this song a nice little spice so that's happy most of the time brings us to track five keep me Reminds me of Cake, the band. I am not at all familiar with Cake. You don't know Cake? The band. Not the Brian Wilson delicacy, <laughs> but the band. I miss Brian. Yeah, that was, what an episode that was, <laughs> where I was hypnotized for an hour. <laughs> am I going to be in a sandbox later? <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Oh, geez. Yes. I want you to bring me some cake, Brian. Uh Brian. Ryan, I want you to bring me some cake, Brian. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, Is Ed McMahon going to come? Not a favorite for me, this one. I like the variety he gives us on this record. This one has kind of a sort of a Casanova thing Who's happening. Who's the other guy on the track? And Keep Me? Yeah. Isn't there another guy on there? No, that's a, I don't think so. Then, Then maybe I... Wrote a wrong note in the wrong place. 
Is there a duet on this record at all? Uh, there's a country singer by the name of Ashley Monroe. No, it sounds to me like there's another man on the track. Ooh. I actually thought there were there were two male singers. Am I nuts? For some reason, I thought there was another guy on the track. I don't think so. Huh. I don't have a lot to yeah, say me about neither. this one. I thought it was pretty straight ahead, and I was like, oh, yeah, track five. Here yeah, we are. Track five. All good. I'm not mad at it. I listened to the whole thing. I'm not mad at it either, but it's just, eh. We also get some more of Brendan's candor here. All of my life, all the time, I've been cast out, kicked out. <laughs> He's just so sad. Yeah. Brendan. Uh, brings us to track six. Pretty Baby. So that was the girl you were talking about. The girl on the track? Yes, yes. Staring at me like I yes. listened to the wrong album. I thought you were referring to somebody called Pretty Baby. No, 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 like, no, 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 the That's singer. what Jeb in the, on the, in the car liked to be called. I knew that. Help me. That's yeah. what I said in the car. I like the vibe of this one a lot. There's, a, there's like a feedback kind of effect going on. It's almost like a Morse code type of thing. To me, this track is more ambiance than like a song. Here's what I've got for you, and I wrote I wrote this for you. I the, can't wait. The whole of the production reminds me of Driving Rain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, I can see that. 2000s, clean, mm-hmm. atmospheric, kind of twiddly, bippity, boppity <laughs> thing, you know? It's not <laughs> poorly produced. That's the point, where you're like, oh, this is produced. Yeah. This is produced. I hear you. I heard a lot of that on the um, Ben Folds record. Once that driving rain, like bass twiddling, gets in your head, you start hearing it everywhere. Yeah, in certain genres. And yeah. I've, I heard, I think I may have even written it on one of these songs, but I know exactly what you mean. I think it's dead on. I don't know what this story is supposed to be about. No, I have no idea. I hear the sirens coming, pretty baby. I hear the sirens coming in the street. So tell me why now, baby? Why would a lady bring the heat? Is it a gangster or a girlfriend or a prostitute? And at one point, I think they're on horses. There's a cowboy kind of thing happening. And I don't know what's going on. You're going to be upset at me. Another one of my notes was, just have a feeling that you love this song very much. <laughs> I, I really don't. I don't. Okay. I, I, I was wrong. This one is one of, I would say this, is more memorable on the record because it stands out as being so drastically different from everything yeah. else. So just by point of contrast, I think about this one when I think of this record, but I don't, I don't have particular love for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. More ambiance. Now this next song. Here in the Dead Lights. My second favorite Brendan song. Love it. Career highlight. Love Here in the Dead Lights. Love, love, love. Crank it up. Why do you love it so much? I think it's one of his finest pieces of songwriting in terms of what we just talked about, the escalation, the hook. It's got this ramp up. It's almost got a, a I want to hold your hand. Yeah, kind yeah. of like, a, it, it makes your, it feels like it, the record's heart is beating faster as it goes. And I just, I really do think it's executed beautifully. I wrote it's as hooky as any electric light orchestra hit. There you go. Another yellow. And the image of the chorus with the hands and no man's land yeah. and all that. Like, what is he talking about? Sure. Hell or I think heaven? it's a stage. Oh, yeah. That's... Here in the dead lights. Oh, yeah. That's... So many hands reaching out to touch That makes way more you. sense than... I thought it was like a man 
transporting between life and death through twilight. But maybe that's because I was listening to yeah, that. Maybe you were traveling through time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The next episode. Hint, spoiler <laughs> alert, foreshadowing. So this Hint. one this one has an interesting side to it. It was originally titled Open Your Eyes hmm. and was recorded during the Raconteurs Consolers of the Lonely Sessions and ultimately not picked for the record. Yeah. Co-written by Brendan and Jack. It had a different chorus. Huh. But the song is essentially the same except for the chorus, which I have to assume Jack wrote because Brendan does not credit Jack on this one. So I assume that was Jack's lyrical contribution. Yeah, that makes sense. The differences are not very many, although I think Brendan's version is a lot better. Yeah. In the Brendan version, it goes, here in the deadlights is so many hands reaching out to touch Mm -hmm. you. Here in the deadlights and no man's land stretches out before you, something like that. In this one, it goes... You never listen to your head. Somebody does that for you. You don't even Whoa. watch your hands. Just someone to hold them for you. Ah. That is a way more aggressive... Way more aggressive. ...chorus there, and that smacks of a Jack Love song. He often writes songs called Love Interruption or these kinds of things where it's like, I want love to roll me over slowly, stick a knife inside me, and twist it all around. Yeah, I love a, that. He has a complicated relationship with relationships clearly (laughs) so brendan basically rolled that back yeah and brendified it and this the the raconteur's version was released on uh, third man records vault release and so you can listen we sent a proper record it's some kind of archival thing well it wasn't released like wide it was for people who subscribe to i understand a download or something yeah i I dig it so 45 i'll I'll play a little bit for you I like this song a whole lot. I think it's some of Brendan's best songwriting. In a stale and musty room when you're old and no one cares. Underneath fluorescent plume, only cold and hopeless stares. All an illusion, all of the time. Everything perfectly all in a line. Yikes, guy. Yeah, it's great. It's him retreating to the... Yeah. But he's also like angry that that's where he wants to retreat to. He's calling this place that he finds so comforting awful. Well, that's why I thought it was death. Yeah. I mean, you look, you may actually be right. I don't know if I am or not. I just am a fan. I'm a a listener, and I was enjoying it. (laughs) What brings us to Trackgate? Met your match. Another one I like. I don't love it. I said this is basically an updated Elvis Costello song. Okay. That doesn't mean it's great. It just seems like him doing something like that. Maybe it's a Nashville-influenced singer-songwriter kind of thing. But yeah, it was... It's got a great title, though, and mm-hmm. that's why I thought it was going to be maybe a bit of a better song. Yeah, nice little pop song. Brings us to track nine, Through the Ceiling, another one I love. I love this song a lot. Huh. So this is the one that didn't hit me on the record. Really? Yeah, it just didn't. I just I didn't feel anything when I spun it a few times. Whoa. Yeah, so tell me why you like it. I get. I don't know. We get that little heartbeat when we open it up, and you get that. Again, we're talking about the same things here. There's a ramping up of 
energy and of sound and of vocal and of just quality of lyric. We get that effervescent little chorus that takes us up to the ceiling along with Brendan and kind of dances around. We get that little break before we hit the chorus where he says, I'm weightless, I'm shapeless, I'm invisible. And he's rising, rising, rising. And so I actually think it's a wonderful exercise in matching execution to the lyric because Hmm. in my head, I kind of find him to be describing something I feel like I'm experiencing while I'm listening to it. That's interesting. Yeah. I may need to re-listen to it now with that point of view. I don't know where he comes up with these hooks. I I, I love this hook. It's another great hook. It's a good, yeah, it's a good, I just think there are better hooks. Maybe that's why I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. But I can go get the same product earlier. Yeah. I do really love the line, I want to be with you in those final hours. Something about the devastating nature of that. Yeah. Final hours of what? You know, I don't have his age in front of me, but well, I think he was born in 70. So he's 42 recording this, right? 2012. So he's closer to 50 now. Yeah. And he's, I think maybe, not midlife crisising, but I think he's probably thinking a little more about adulthood or (laughs) being at the halfway point is starting to set in for him maybe. One of my least favorite hoods. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually shocked you don't like this one because I I think it's so strong, but that's, I mean, I'm more interested than shocked, I, I should say. That brings us to no one else but you. See, this is a personal highlight. Yeah. In fact, this is a personal highlight for me listening to this album a lot this time around. Oh, really? I never really gave this song much thought, but boy, it sounds like a bad finger song. Oh, yeah. It sounds like Mal Evans so, wrote yeah, it. Yeah, nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> so 1970s, was it M-O-R or A-O-R, yeah. whatever it is, modern adult for radio orientated something is that what that really stands for i don't know i thought it stood for middle of the road every time i look it up it's a different thing so write us in and let us know what it is i hope it is middle of the road otherwise i've been saying the wrong thing for a long time good horns solid super guitar horny. riff right yeah. and then the moog or whatever it sounds like a moog but it, who knows what it is the synthesizer stuff in the middle mm-hmm. yeah it's clear a throwback 70s record for sure it's got another unassuming opening few verses and you're like okay i I guess this is going to be kind of a laid-back acoustic song and then sergeant pepper's band kicks in the door and you're like full-on you know penny lane parade happening Uh, you're like what happened here is that bongo over there (laughs) play it i just wrote under my notes here play it loud get up you lazy bastards more (laughs) horns for christ's sake yes R&B funk on this one too. He's got a like a, a mostly Motown kind of sound sometimes. When mostly he songs. Motown. It's a great song he wrote called "Many Shades of Black," which shows up on the Raconteur's second album, which Adele covers. And it's a great title. Yeah, and it's got a it's a very Motowny sort of slinky little number, and so he's capable of versatility in his yeah. songwriting too. But they all do tend to 
they have that little stamp on it, that little, oh yeah, it's a Brendan Motown song. Brings us to track 11, Come On. So again, the Navy Blues record, but the Sloan album, they have a, there's a song called Come On, Come On. Okay. So I keep getting thrown back. Yeah. To Sloan out of nowhere, and and this is this almost a similar sort of slice of pop. Okay. Could, this could be a Beatles song. Yeah, I could see that. I could see. That. Could be. This is, is not. It's funny. This is one that I don't love. I I'm find, not saying that I love it. I'm just saying stylistically. Yeah. 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 I hear you. I also get again. We're back in Blink 182 land with this one, where we get that slap kind of bass and this. It's super trebly. Yeah. Do 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 you know where everybody thinks they have to drive up and down the fucking neck on every course. Yeah. Anyway. With one finger usually all those Yeah. And everybody gets laid after, so that's fun. That brings us to the final track on the record, On the Fence. I'm not on the fence on On the Fence. That's an excellent song. It's Brendan Benson the song. I think. It's good observation. A song about indecision. Never been a fighter or a lover, never thought that either made much sense, and I can't decide on which way or the other, so I live my life just sitting on this fence. Mm. <laughs> Probably die sitting on this fence. Probably die here. Unbelievable. Yeah. I admire so much when, I, when someone can just make a decision, like to get married or, you know, to ask their girlfriend to marry, marry them, and then it's like something I can't even fathom that making that sort of choice, you know, like... But how do you decide then on a song? Ah, it's just, I guess, I don't know. I don't take them so seriously. I mean, that's a great image. I don't even know what to say other than that. It's a great closer. Yeah. And I spun this album a few times, and that doesn't always ha- It's oh, It happens with a lot of these albums we do. But how many records do you listen to? So what we were talking about before is that you have to listen to a record once. And yeah. It carves it into your brain. Sure. And then every repeat listen, you're adding ornaments and furniture mm-hmm. and painting the walls of the carving in your brain. You're learning what you like about it. Yeah. I, I think more on the second listen. Yeah. yeah. And I'm always surprised the songs that stay in my head. And this later one. you wake up like, oh, oh shit. That's who, wait, who? Yeah. Who is that? Yeah. And you flip through what you've been listening to and then you find it. And mm-hmm. it's this big rush, this adrenaline rush. And this is one of those for me. Wow. I'm happy to hear it. I, I really like this song a lot. Yeah, it's really good. It's a nice little sentiment there. He's a guy who can't make a decision, but he's also terrified of letting people down. So he lets the wind sort of blow him in whichever way direction is convenient for other people. <laughs> it's so a cautionary tale. It's so sad. It's it is sad, yeah. Got that. Again, he's the Charlie Brown of music, man. <laughs> That's it. That's what I got. Brendan Benson, what kind of world? I take it too hard. A good one. Yeah? A great a great one. <laughs> well, I wasn't fishing. But now that you've mentioned it, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see everybody. Yeah, thanks for stopping by week. again and...
we got to come up with a sign off. We got to say something at the end here. Ta-da! Now hear this. Et voila. Now heard this. You now heard it. You heard it. You heard it here, folks. Goodbye, everybody. Do you have an opinion about the album we discussed today? Contact us at at now here this podcast on Instagram, at now here this pod on Twitter, facebook.com slash now here this podcast, or email us at now here this official at gmail.com. See you next time. You probably aren't like John Lennon, but it's all right. You know, I mean, just, you know, you is fine. <laughs> Brendan Benson is, yeah, this, this the one is all right, are. you know. Well, hey, Ryan. Hey, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute mm. to help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate featuring the wonderful new donation technology that Acast has developed for us. That's right, Acast has helped us out. They host the show. Yeah, our hosts, Acast, have made it really easy to donate to the show. They have an Acast supporter feature, and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show. It can be five bucks, a hundred bucks, less than a dollar. We don't care. Yeah, just something to keep the lights on. It's all out of pocket, and we do this out of love, and that's it. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. Couldn't said it better myself. Okay. All right, well, bye then. <laughs>